Are you going to put on your clothes? <laughs> yeah. I bet it's much better to do it clothed, isn't it? I brought clothes, so I'm wearing them because I'm more comfortable clothed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone podcasts in a different way. Yeah. So. I didn't think you'd have two nipple rings, though. <laughs> they were just joking there. They are not really naked. Please don't imagine them in the nude all the way through this episode. No one wants that. Also, welcome to YesBot. Today's guest is David Shaw. Hello and welcome to another edition of YesBot, the show that's about improvisation and robotics in almost equal measure. But I guess if I had to put a figure on it, I would say 70% improv, 30% robotics. Um, For anyone who hasn't listened to the show before, uh, just a really brief history. Um, Long time ago now, almost six months ago, I was walking through the woods behind my house and I came across this robot that had obviously been abandoned there. It was all rusty. It wasn't working, but I dragged it back uh, to my house. Uh, my name's Chris Mead. I never introduced myself. But I'm the host of the podcast. It's a horrible habit. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm too yeah. humble. Um, yeah. uh, so I dragged, dragged it back to my house and fixed it up and found out that it was uh, ImprovBot 5000. It's a robot that is, is there to improvise essentially. And it has five slots on its back with which you can program in five lines of code, five rules of improvisation that it will follow. Um, so I thought, well, as this has landed in my lap, why don't I tour the country and indeed the world and find the very best improvisers and get them to program that robot to be the very best improviser it can be, the the, the ideal scene partner, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week I have an amazing guest, Mr. David Shaw. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it's a Thanks it's a great me. honor. Um, you. Do you mind starting by? I feel it's not asking for credentials to program <laughs> yeah. the robot, but All it's right. sort of like who you are. Yeah, who I am. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a Jew. Um, <laughs> I'm a Canadian Jew. Um, wow, I'm gonna get hate mail. It's because of who I am. Um, not no, enough people not listen enough to people. this. <laughs> I don't think there's enough uh, Nazi improvisers listening to your podcast. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm an alumnus of the IO West in LA, where I trained for four years and was a uh, player coach. I was on a couple different house teams, and I coached there. And I produced a show there called the Deconstruction Derby, which I think still runs, like someone else is running. It, it stopped when I was there. Um, but I think it was just a good name, so someone does it. And I was in the living room show for a year there called Recliners, and then I went back. Oh, and that's where I started doing the One Man Herald. I uh, went back to Toronto to the One Man Herald, got an offer to join the Second City main stage. And I did that, and I won a couple of Canadian Comedy Awards. Uh, and when I left the Second City, I started Monkey Toast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I won one Canadian Comedy Award at the Second City and one with Monkey Toast. We were, I think I've been nominated like 13 times. And Monkey Toast morphed into this chat show, an improvised chat show. It's still going very strong in Toronto. It, and uh, I moved to London 
in 2010, I, I had been teaching and performing. I mean, I performed at the Second City, and I've been teaching at the Second City in the Bad Dog Theater and some of my own stuff. And I came here in 2010 uh, and just started, you know, classes, and it kind of ballooned. Um, so we have uh, five levels of improv classes, character comedy classes, sketch writing classes, and we have shows, uh, student shows, uh, herald shows, like student herald shows, and as well our pro show. Um and I'm a Leo. So. Are you? I'm a Leo oh, too. There you go. Apparently, right. they've discovered another constellation now, and everyone's sign is going to shift. Oh, really? To make room for the thirteenth. That's stupid. <laughs> we should have got it right the first time around. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> Greeks. You know, and you and know. quite quite sadly, as we're um, mm-hmm. as recording this, you you have announced that you are. Um, I'm moving, back, moving to back to Canada. I am, yes. but Monkey Toast. Monkey here Toast will is remain. continuing. Yes, mm. yes. The the my colleagues Paul Foxcroft and and uh, the other instructors, you know, um, Brian and Lauren and everyone else there will continue, and, and Paul will be the new artistic director. And I'll I'll pop back from time to time, of course. And uh, I'm looking forward to rejoining the Toronto show and um, living in a country that's not ruled by the Tories. So <laughs> I would enjoy that too. Yeah. And I was yeah. just thinking, it's really interesting for me because I think I must mm. have taken one of the one of the first, uh, certainly before it was Monkey Toast over here. Yeah, it was just me, it was just David Shore. Mm. Yeah. And and it was in this room that we yeah, are was. Yeah. recording in. And yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. so it just feels like a weird cyclical process. Yeah. yeah, we've been, I mean, we've mostly stayed in this area. It, it, it was easy to get students in London. It was hard to find space. So we've mm. been very lucky with the places we are. We have a good, good relationship with them. So uh, it's been good. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've brought the robot with me. Okay. Uh, it's in this little, I guess, go-kart thing that right. I wheeled in with mm-hmm. me. Let me just reveal it for you. Okay. There we go. It's a lot less rusty than I thought it would be. As you can see, if I turn it over, mm-hmm. there are the five slots. Yep. As luck will have it, they fit cartridges that are the same size as Nintendo 64 cartridges. So I okay. just got some of those on cool. eBay. So there's five cool, cool. cartridges for you. Right. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, five rules of improv, five essentially. Rule number yeah, so uh, a lot of these rules are basics because mm. I'm a huge fan of the basics because um, you will never go wrong doing the basics, which is something that I learned with Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin came and did a workshop in Toronto and changed my life, and he really honed that. So the first one is space work, mm-hmm. and I wrote down space work, space work, space work. Never stop doing space work. Um, I hate it when people just come out and stand there and try and be funny. It's not improv. Sure. And space work is one of the techniques that will help you get out of your head. And there's a misconception with space work that it's about doing big, I got to move, move a big lever on this spaceship. And it's like, well, no, most scenes take place at home, at work, at some kind of leisure activity. Think of your favorite TV show. It takes place at home or at work. Movies, it's the same thing. So space work is just everyday things that you do. If I'm in the kitchen, I'm cutting something. It used to be carrots because my instructor at the Groundlings cut carrots. Mm. And I can do that for the whole scene. If I'm sitting in, in front of the TV, I will actively push the remote or I'll have a bong. In, oh, in the 90s, I always had a bong. Um, or I have a game controller. I'm playing Nintendo or something. It, it helps occupy the part of my brain that tells me I suck. Mm-hmm. And it's important that, and if the scene shifts, let's say you and I, Chris, were to start a scene and the robot here were to enter, the scene might shift to the focus be on the two of you. And it just, just happens. You don't know that. If I'm just sitting there or standing there, I'm going to feel awkward. But space work keeps me grounded and I can listen and interject. And as well, the space work will help me find things when I'm stuck. When I bl- like everyone blanks, right? Every show that I do, I blank. But I have enough experience to know the first thing pops in my head I'm going to say. 
but the space work will help me in that. It, it will feed me lines. And space work as well it might just be being physical. I played a Tyrannosaurus Rex a few weeks ago, and uh, Martin Cavanaugh came out and was my babe, and I kept feeding him, and he was, he was really cute. Um, well, Martin is very cute. He is, yeah. Mm. He plays a good dinosaur. Um, but it, opens, it, it will open up things and open up paths in the scene that you haven't seen before. So it's super important. A lot of people come out and like, here's my space work, now I'm done, hands on hips, I'm going to be funny. And, and that's just pretty lame. Um, and, it's, you know, and it takes time to get good at it. It took me a long time to get good at it. And you may recall me saying, space work? Are you doing space work? Where's your space work? And we really harp on it now. When you leave class, the first things to go are space work mm-hmm. and where are you? Right. Right. People, two, two main things people discount, which are super important. So um, I can't, space work is just so important. And I've been telling all my students now, come and watch me do a show. I'm going to space work the fuck out of it. We can swear on this, right? So, we, yeah. yeah, we can. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I'm all, you know, I can't stop doing space work. I'm, even if it's just, I got a glass in my hand. I'm in a pub, I got a glass in my hand. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not about doing big things. It's about doing small things and keeping on doing them. If I'm in an office, I'm constantly typing pretty much. I might stop from time to time, but then I'm going to get back to it. And there's nothing wrong with us both typing. We're both in an office. It makes sense that we're both typing in an office. We're both cutting down a tree. We're both swinging an axe. So it's there's fine. An, there's an element there of don't be clever about it. If, if it makes sense for two people to be doing something fairly domestic and normal, yeah. then that's fine. It makes total sense. Like, like when I think of the American office, mm-hmm. you know, when they show, when they cut to see, like just, you know, interstitial shots of the office, everyone's just working. It's normal. So why wouldn't you come in and be the background and start typing? You know, um, it, it makes sense. And, and then you're not feeling awkward. Um, and then you're more grounded in the scene. And it takes a while to get used to doing it. And, it, and like for me, it's automatic. Um, but you have to get it into your bones and that takes a long time. It takes, it's just about practice, really. It's just about practicing. You know, and like everyone, I used to like do a little bit of space work and stop. And there might be the odd scene where I don't do space work, depending on the space. Mm-hmm. Like when I do scenes with GTI, Shows with GTI, and we're at the Weed Chief. It's quite a small, it's a really small it's stage. Tiny, yeah. But I'll still do, depending on what it is, I'll still do space work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's no, you can't have a chair up there, but you'll lean against the window and I'll type. Um, so, yeah, I can't stress enough how important space work is. And when you see great players, you know, they do space work. I remember seeing TJ and Dave when they were here like a year ago, 18 months ago. That's right, yeah. And I'd never seen them before. Everyone assumes we know each other. But I'm, I was in LA. I was in Chicago. And I don't, we, we know a lot of the same people, but I, I don't know them. And, and they were amazing. And um, there was a scene where TJ put his hand like a washing machine. I don't know if you were there. but you, Everyone saw it. It's just such a small thing. And that's all you need is a small thing. So space work is super important. I'm quite proud because uh, with, we, we were talking about cutting earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my anniversary, yeah. uh, my wife and I went on a culinary knife course. Mm. So I've now learned the pinch grip, the culinary pinch <laughs> grip. Yeah. So I no longer have my thumb on top of my knife when I'm nice. cutting. Oh, that's good. So that has changed my improv as well. Cool. So I have a pinch grip. That's very Mind good. pinch grip. Mind pinch grip, yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I thought you'd be proud of me for I'm that. I'm very proud, yeah. You know. Thanks. Yeah. Rule number two. Um, so the next rule is that you don't need an idea to start a scene. Mm-hmm. All you need is a first move. A lot of places will teach you this, and it's just not true. Um, it limits you. It, it, you know, a lot of places, there's a lot of, got to play the game. You got to establish the game right away. And it's like, well, what if you, what you're establishing is horrible? Uh, or what if nine times out of ten, your scene partner doesn't get your idea? 
uh, have you had Phil Whelan's on? So Phil's, Phil and I play a lot together. And, you know, he's part of Monkey Toes. I play in GTI and we do two prov called Bald for reasons you can figure out. Um, and um, Phil, Phil and I play really, I love playing with Phil. And, but Phil almost always starts a scene with an idea. Mm. And 50% of the time, I have no idea what his idea is, but I always give him a yes and, right? So, and he'll go with that because he knows I'm not being a dick. I'm not denying his idea. So if you have an idea, great. But if you don't, all you need is a first move. And a first move entails coming out and establishing one of who, we, who where you are, who you are, like our relationship or what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the what is a double-edged sword. Like in the who, what, where, the what really should be what the scene is about, but it's hard to establish that right away. It might just be what you're physically doing, and then we'll discover what the scene is about. So if you don't have an idea, that's fine. All you need is a first move because you're going to get a yes and. So, so and, and, if you, and if you're unsure of what your scene partner is doing, you're essentially yesing until you find the and that is appropriate. But- well, I'm a firm believer in being not just clear, but super fucking clear, right? I think in order to be subtle, you have to be really experienced because I hear everything. And it took me a long time to hear everything on stage. I really don't miss much, but for years I did. And now even if you have a tone, I'll hear it and I'll get, okay, you're, you're, you're meaning something with that tone. But I always tell my students, be super fucking clear because then there could be no mistake. So if, you have, if you're coming out off the top, like you know, teaching class all day on Sunday and loads of people are starting scenes and they think they've said this thing, but they haven't said it and the other person didn't get it and then they back off or they give an and and it throws them. So be super fucking clear. You know, if you have an idea, you have to get it out to the best of your ability. And it can be clunky, right? Don't worry about it being smooth. Mm -hmm. Smoothness comes with time. Clunky is fine. The audience doesn't care, right? They don't. The Um, robot's extremely clunky anyway. Yeah. You've got leeway at the start of every scene between five and 15 seconds to set up your scene, to come pull out some chairs, to come and establish things, or to make changes to, if you were to come out, if I'm cutting and you're playing tennis and you realize, oh, I shouldn't be cutting, you can just go to playing tennis. You don't have to, oh, you have to magically morph it. No, you don't. The audience doesn't care. You know, you've got that leeway. The audience is always on your side. It's an important thing to remember. Unless you're doing a Christmas show <laughs> to an office party. <laughs> and then uh, you better be getting paid. Um, uh, but you just need to move. So if you come out and just like, wow, I'm so glad we came to the beach. And they were like, yeah, I'm so glad too, dad. You know, we, we never spend time together. Yeah, we do never spend time together. You're my third least favorite son. Well, and then we discover the scene together. So are okay. you saying that you would, you would come on with one move or you'd come on with nothing, but then just, just make a immediate decision about one of those two just come in with it. all you need is a move mm-hmm. all you need is one move to start a scene and then if you have an idea great like i'm about 60 40 60 percent of the time i have an idea 40 percent of the time i just have a move and mm-hmm. i'm just i'm willing to roll the dice and see what happens because i trust the people i'm playing with and i know i'm going to get a yes and so if i have an idea i get it out to the best of my ability if i don't i'll just come out and go i'm so glad we're apple picking today you know, or, or, geez, dad, you are such an asshole. Uh, or what, I'll make us, I'll let you know one of who, what, or where, and then I'm expecting an and, and I'm happy to discover the scene. Because that's the magic of improv, right? The discover, the moment of discovery. Oh, oh, this is, oh, interesting what this is about. As opposed to one person coming on with a fully formed idea and then leading their partner by the nose towards that idea that, that's already completely concocted in their brain. Well, if they can get that out, fine. But like <laughs> Phil often has... Phil has a really good idea, but I'll, for whatever reason, I miss it. Sure. And it's not, Phil knows me, like, he trusts me. He knows I'm never being like, no, fuck your idea, let's do this, right? Because that's a dick move, no, fuck your idea. You know, like, no, I'm, I'm not listening to your idea, I want to do this. Um, and that's, people like that don't get asked to play, right? Um, but if you can get, you have to get your idea out. 
And if not, if you don't have an idea, like if your suggestion is potatoes and the first thing that pops in your mind is I'm, I'm, I'm just peeling potatoes, come in and do that and let your team partner know, man, we've been peeling so many potatoes, Sarge. Yeah, we've been on kitchen duty forever. We're going to stay on kitchen duty. It's vital to the war effort. And then you're Whatever. up and running on the scene. Yeah. yeah, and then you can get going. So if you have an idea, great. If not, there's this pressure of like, I got to have this great idea. No, you don't. All you need is a first move. That's it. Rule number three. Uh, now, number three kind of is, is on the backside of that. And this is a major problem that I see with loads of, of uh, students. And even students who are like in level four, I hear people say, I don't know what my scene partner wants. I don't, you know, the second person in, if, you, if, if, you know, I, I was taught and I believe, and it's not a rule, it's a courtesy that the first person out gets a courtesy of the first line. They typically have an idea, you know, or a move, but it's not a rule. It's a courtesy. And if you're second person, you're kind of waiting for them to deliver that line. Well, here we are at the, at the beach selling mangoes. Yeah, we are. Well, that's not an and or, or whatever, whatever the first move is or, or the idea is the, the second person gets so scared of like, I'm going to fuck up your idea. And nine times out of 10, they didn't have an idea. They don't know. They, they came in when there was blank stage or the only thing that popped in their head off the suggestion was mangoes or whatever. And they do something about oh, this mango shake tastes horrible, dad. And they don't, you know, you know, all they want is a yes and. So it's really important. No one owns a scene. Anyone who says to you, you ruined my scene, don't play with that person, right? Because they're, they're not an improviser, right? Um, everyone in the scene, it is all of our responsibility equally to make the scene successful to the best of our ability. And some scenes are just going to suck, right? No matter what you do. If there's six of us up, four people on the side, two people on the scene, everyone on the side has, has just as much right to enter that scene and try and help or to pour some gas on the fire, so to speak. So it's everyone's responsibility. No one owns a scene. If you and I are doing a scene, you may be the one who's really leading it, which is fine. We don't know that until the scene happens or we're leading it equally or the robot is leading it or someone enters and the scene shifts and they start leading it. But it's important you give a yes and every time. A yes is not enough. When you say yes, you're putting the burden of the scene on your scene partner. You must give an and. And trust yourself. So by the same example with Phil and me, I have no idea what his idea is, but he gets a valid yes and. I'll never just give him a yes. Because the and moves us forward in the scene. Right. The and helps us discover what the scene is about. The and moves us, you know, I, I often talk about improv is like walking through do- walking to and through doors. When you say yes, you come to a door. When you say and, you walk through it. And if it's a good choice, you know, lots of doors appear and you go through any one of them and they're all correct. So no matter what, when you hear your scene, when your scene partner says something to you, you know, God damn it, Johnson, the reports are late. You don't know what that means. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming, I, you know. Give them a yes and. Don't give them just a yes. Don't go, yeah, well, oh, okay. You know, just give, give them a yes and. It's your responsibility to give them a yes and. What if I'm doing a scene with someone, I'm always expecting a yes and back. Right, because so, that's, that's, that's really interesting because, yeah. uh, you know, I've definitely had teachers who have been like, you know, you can just, well, I guess what I said earlier, you know, you can just keep yesing, but I can see your point that there's no yeah. momentum to a scene like that. No. You're just sort of affirming someone else's thing, but you're no further forwards in the scene after the end of that point. No, and plus you put loads of pressure on your scene partner when you just, yes, you're making them make every decision and they might be having a bad night. Right. They're just as scared as you. Everyone gets nervous, right? And everyone has that moment of like, I shouldn't be on stage. Even I get, there's loads of shows where I'm like, holy fuck, I'm the worst player here. And, And I've taught everyone there. I've taught everyone on stage. And I'm like, they're all better than me. And, but with the, once I get in it, I'm fine. 
So everyone's got those moments, oh, I should, I, I'm a charlatan, I shouldn't be up here. So that's normal. But as long as you keep yes ending, you know, it's really important. And trust what's going to come out of your mouth. You know, I, I taught a level one intensive a few weeks ago and I'm teaching level two classes. It's amazing to see these people get it and to just and, and the things that come out of their mouth because they got nothing else. Well, I really do love baking tea. And it's like, okay, you're baking tea. Great. You got it out. It doesn't matter. You know, we're not putting you on stage yet. You're in level one. You're in level two. Yes, and it's really interesting. You can bake tea as well, like it's, wok fry, green okay. tea. Like we don't do that. Well. We don't do that in the Commonwealth. Right. I can okay. understand here in the motherland. I'm very sense. sad for you. It makes brilliant tea. <laughs> well, we also don't put milk in our tea. It's gross to us. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. No, me neither. I'm. Okay. I'm all about the uh, the clear teas. Yeah. I should do another podcast about tea. I'm Clear quite passionate yep. about it. Better be bigger than the improv. <laughs> um, like, so, um, yeah. can I ask you to uh, yeah. put that doubt that into a sentence? Uh, always give a yes and. To your always give a yes and. Yeah. Great. Rule number four. So, in order to be great, you must be willing to enter a perfectly good scene and ruin it <laughs> in front of an audience, because you will not on purpose, but you're going to fuck up scenes. You're going to fuck up shows. You must be willing to make mistakes. You must be willing to take, you must be willing to take risks. When I was at the IO, there was a theater wide meeting and, um, Scott Robinson, who was my guru, this, he's just, you know, brilliant. You know, he's this guru of improv. He's one of the founders of the Annoyance Theater. And, um, he said like, no one's taking risks and it's hurting the theater. It's, it's coming off in shows and it's really hurting the performance. So I decided then and there, I was going to do the one man Herald. Because we'd done it in rehearsal and my coach said, I wish you played like that all the time. And I kept putting it off because it was frightening. But that's the day. Well, I'm going to do it. And that changed my life, taking that risk. So it's important you take the risk. I tell, you know, particularly in class, I tell my students in class, you know, if you don't take a risk in class, you'll never take it on stage. Roll the dice. I don't care. In class, I do not care if you enter a scene and ruin it. Because when you're a student, you must adjust your gut. Your gut instinct of like, I should come in now. No, I shouldn't come in now. This, this is a good time to sweep. No, this is a tag, you know, because the impulse to tag, the impulse to edit, the, imp- the impulse to enter the same. And you're in class to learn. Come in and fuck up. Come in and fuck up. I always tell my students, like when they come in, like when I give them notes it's, and they say, oh, I, I knew I shouldn't have done that as soon as I said it. I said, that's great. That's active learning. You, you are one step closer to never making that mistake again. Like as soon as you say it, you know it's a mistake. So, but you must be willing to take risks. Like... You, and that doesn't mean every show, that's not about being edgy. It's not, oh, the show's got to be edgy and crazy. It's about get off the wall. You, when you feel that impulse to enter, do it. You have an idea that you think might be, oh, I think this is weird, do it. <laughs> you know? So Monkey Toast back in Toronto, you know, is, is um, it's, I mean, here it's good, but there, it, it, you know, it broke out. Like, it's really popular. And um, it's, it's everyone in it is at an alumni level, not a main stage level, alumni. There's a difference between an alumni level and a main stage level. What's the? You're just more experienced. Okay. You know, um, I remember when you leave the main stage, you're, you're welcome to what's called the super main stage. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, oh, welcome to the super main stage, you know, and it, people are really supportive. Um, but just like anything, the more you do something, the better you get at it. When I look back at the improviser I was when I was in Second City, I'm, you know, so many times better just because of the experience. Um, and uh, Paul Bates, who's this genius, uh, was in the show with me, and he's really brilliant. And um, I remember he said to me once uh, before I left, I think it was before I left Toronto, and he still does Monkey Toast there. He said, um, Monkey Toast is his favorite show to do because he's, he, he said, no matter what out there idea I have, I know someone's coming out there with me. Yeah. 
So we got to take that risk. You know, don't be afraid. I mean, and, and if it's bad, it's one bad, one scene, who cares? One show, who cares? It's hard, right? It's hard to let that go. I mean, when I, when I joined the main stage, um, the um, director of the touring company said to me, I had a meeting with him, Nick John, who's in Chicago, and he was a great guy, amazing uh, performer. And he said, the advantage of being on the main stage is that you do a show every night. So if you have a bad show, if you have a bad improv set, well, there's another one tomorrow. Sure. When you perform once a week or once a month, it sits with you. And you're maybe not as willing to take risks, but you got to take those risks because nothing bad's going to happen, right? Typically, nothing, you know, I mean, unless you're doing something crazy, like something physically crazy, but, say, you know, safety first, always in improv. Mm-hmm. Um, but take the risk. You have an idea, I'm going to come in and be the wall, be the wall, you know, do it. I mean, a, a year ago, we did a show, Lisa Merchant and Jason DeRossi were here from Second City and they're good friends of mine and they sat in the monkey toe set and I played a disembodied eyeball and it made sense. I think it was Phil's disembodied eyeball. And then, you know, I've never had that thought before to be, oh, it should be his disembodied eye. Or, and, and then Jason played the other eyeball. And I took that risk. You know, I'm willing to take that risk every time that, okay, I'm going to, if this fails, it fails. But I got to roll those dice. I came across some uh, notes that I'd made while in your class uh, a couple of years ago now. Um, and one that just, you know how sometimes improv notes out of context are yeah, really yeah. weird? Yeah. I had a direct quote from you and it said, what you needed to do was come in as the eyebrows. <laughs> that's all it yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely. Lauren Shearing said to me once, because um, she went through the classes as well, and she said, when I, I said to her once, well, why wouldn't you be the duck? And she's like, oh, my God. And I said, well, yeah, well, why would it? Because she said that to me. I said, well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense to me. Like, of course, why wouldn't you? It makes sense. Lauren's always a duck now as well, so she took that one to heart. She leans on it a bit too much. It's a bit creepy now, I would say. Fantastic. So if we were to uh, truncate that, it would be always take risks? Not always, but be willing to take, don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to take risks. And remember, it's not about doing big things. It's not about like coming, it's not about doing something dangerous on stage. It's about, I don't know if this is a good idea. Or in class, I don't know if it's a good idea. Do it. Unless it's something untoward, something really sexual or, or just somewhere you don't want to go, you know, you know, use your judgment. Because mm-hmm. the number of times you ask your teacher after, I hear, should I have done, I had an idea to do this. It's like, yeah, you should have done it. You know, take the particularly in class, take the risk. Remember, you're you're, you're paying when you're in class. You are paying that person to help you. And I always tell my students, you, you remember, it's your time and your money. I'm here to help you. So if you if you're not, if you're not sure about something, ask me. Put up your hand at any time. There's no stupid questions or bad questions. But you know, once we're doing stuff, just if you feel an impulse, do it. You know, it's the only way to learn is by trying and doing. Rule number five: Don't let your ego get in the way of you becoming good or great. Um. You know, so I, I trained in LA and I was in Toronto for a long time and I've been here for a long time. And I've, I've experienced people who, who, you know, in Monkey Toast here in Toronto, if you have a lot of experience, we're happy to have you come on audition for level two. And we always do a pre-interview because everyone's um, experience is different. And if you've only done improv games, it's probably best that you start in level one because it's quite different than the scenic stuff we do. And I've just learned that through experience. But I've met quite a few people not a lot, but, you know, quite a few who, who it might be contradictory, but who, well, I don't want to start in level one. And, well, you need to start in level one. Don't let your ego get in the way of taking a good class. Trust the instructor. If you've heard good things about a place and you want to take a class there and they're like, look, you know what? If you went to the UCB, you'd have to start in level one. You wouldn't question it because it's the UCB, mm. you know? Um, and a lot of places are like that. The Groundlings are like that. Um, I think, I don't know about the IO. When I was there, I, I don't I remember they told, I had some experience, like, no, you start in level one. And I should, I, I needed to start level one. It was very different. 
But if you go to a place and they're like, they want you to start at level one, there's typically a reason for it. And um, I'll often tell people, like, look, you know what? You need to start at level one. If your instructor says to me it's a waste of time, I'll give you a level two for free. Because I'm quite confident it's not a waste of your time. Right. Um, by the same token, if you live in a city where there is a really good improv school or there's this great improv teacher, take a class with that teacher. Everywhere I've been, there's students who, for whatever reason, only do classes with out-of-town. Oh, so-and-so's coming from New York. So-and-so's coming from L.A. So-and-so. Whereas there's this great person there that you've never studied with. And it's like, why don't you? You probably, you'll have more opportunity to, to learn with them than the person who comes once or twice in your lifetime. Um, and then you can always have that person, as, like, you know, I'm always open to any of my students asking me questions or anything. So don't let your ego get in the way um, of you becoming good or great. And that, that goes through your whole career, presumably. You totally. Know, never stop learning, never... St- I learn all the time. Like, you know, there was... <laughs> I was telling some students about this the other night. Um, we were having auditions last year and, um, you know, for house teams. And uh, if I was on the side and wanted to, you were if you were in the scene and I wanted to call you on a phone, I would just go ring, ring, ring and hope that you would pick it up. But Shem Pennant went like, ring, ring, Chris's phone, ring, ring. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like, you never know when you're going to see something or learn something. I learn from students all the time. Students say things I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I've never looked at it that way, or that's really eye-opening. I've had other students as well do things, well, that move. Um, like when you enter a scene, like if, you, if someone yells, um, what is it? Let's see it, or cut to that, you know, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. It's a good way to freeze everyone on stage and freak mm-hmm. them out. And I've never seen it work until um, uh, Gareth Murren did it in a class, in a little five class. He yelled, cut to that, and he came in and delivered the first line. And I thought, that's the way to do it. Just like if you tag, you have to give the first line. If you're going to do that move, let's see it or cut to that. You have to, because mm-hmm. everyone on stage is literally going to freeze for a second because they don't know, like, what? They're, they're, you know, you just interrupted their scene with, let's see it. And they have to think. So you have to come in and deliver the first line. So I, you know, that was another thing a student did. I'm like, okay, that's the way to do that. You know, so you never, you do, you never stop learning. Um, so don't, yeah, it's important. <laughs> Big egos don't go well, of, well over in a profit. No, I don't no. think that. I don't yeah. think they do either. Yeah. So the answer thing, don't be, don't be too proud. I think you earn the right to say, I don't want to play with someone or, or people. Like for me, if I play with people who aren't up to my level, it's, it's an aggravating show. Um, you know, and by the same token, you know, don't be insulted if I say, no, I don't want to, you know, look, maybe in a, t- a year I'll do a show with you. But right mm-hmm. now, I'm not, because I know I'm going to do everything. Um, and I, that's from experience. That's not, and that's not me being a dick. I know the British people think, oh, what an asshole, but it's, I've, <laughs> I've experienced that. By the same token, if a good, if good players ask you to play, say yes. Yeah. Because they're not going to ask you to play if they're short. They'll play like, I'm, you know, they'll do without. If they're asking you to play, they believe you can play. And unless you had a legitimate reason to say no, do it. Cause that, you know, it, it's the goal of an improviser is to, just to be asked to play by better players. That's it. It's not about money. If you're in this for money, <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> you know, um, I had a student back in Toronto, um, Tom, and we, it was a monkey show, and, and someone texted me that, oh, I can't, I can't make it. We were short, and Jen Carawana said, oh, Tom's here. Tom, Tom McKay's here. So I'll ask Tom to play. And I was like, hey, Tom, listen, we're short. Do you want to play? So, oh, my God, I'd love to. I just had my second pint of beer, and I don't feel 100%. I totally respect that. That That's a good choice on his behalf. And I would ask Tom to play again. I had a friend who, when I was at the Second City, an old friend who was a swing. And um, 
he, a swing is like, so as I can see, the main stage, touring company, and then there's like auxiliary company. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, and, the, and the touring company and auxiliary company are understudies. And below them are the swings who might get called in, learn this part in four hours, come in and play this part. And you can work, your, lots of people work their way up. And so I had an old friend just by, by you know, chance, oops, by chance, who was a swing when I was on the main stage. And I say, hey, why don't you do the set tonight? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I said, come on, set it, do the improv set with us. He's like, no, I'll just watch. He got fired not long after that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he ever got to do that show again. So if people ask you, do it. You know, if you have a legitimate reason, don't. You know, but if you're nervous, do it. Just step out. They're asking you to play. They've got your back. You know, they've got your back. Well, uh, it's good to talk about backs as I put the last cartridge into the robot's <laughs> yeah. back, turn it back over. Um, I think I quickly mentioned this to you, but yeah. as you have given it a personality, I feel yes. that it's only fair that you name the robot. What should we name the robot? It has to be something really Jewy. How about... No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, let's call him Harold, because... The <laughs> it's a good name. I want to call him Harold. Yeah. It's the first time that anyone has named... Yeah, Harold as well. There you so, go. All right. Um, so next part of the podcast, yeah. um, I'll get you to press that big red button in the middle of its chest. Okay. And then we'll do some scenes with it. All right, cool. I'm cool. down with that. All Ready? Right. All right. Starting boot sequence. Loading prime directives from cartridge storage. Rule one. Space work. Space work. Space work. Never stop doing space work. Rule Two, you don't need an idea to start a scene. All you need is a first move. Rule three, always give a yes and to your partner. Rule four, don't be afraid to take risks. Rule five, don't let your ego get in the way of you becoming great. I will take risks. I will say yes and to my programming. I don't need ideas. I just need to make a first move. Here is my first move. Ooh, no, that's not meant to happen. It's not meant to be. His head's not meant to be spinning that much. It's impressive. Um, let me try and grab it. Oh, it's come off in my hand. Come, um, that's really disturbing, Chris. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to turn it. Now I'm covered in grease. I'm it's not even I'm, I'm mortified. <laughs> I'm really mortified. <laughs> and to come completely clean, this is not the first time the robot hasn't worked. I was just really You're getting hopeful. a reputation for this robot. Really? Is yeah. It, is it starting to leak out now? Yeah. As much as that oil is. Yeah. It's starting. The word is out that the robot. But if you could just right. not say anything. Well, you're going to broadcast this. So. Well, that is true. That is true. Yeah. That's get, probably edit, where it's coming get, from. Edit that part out. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but to try and salvage something yeah. i'd love it uh if listeners are you know enthralled by what you've got to say and want yeah. uh more david shaw more monkey toast where should they go on the internet for that uh in the uk go to monkeytoast.co.uk uh on twitter at monkeytoast uk facebook monkeytoast uk in north america in toronto monkeytoast.com uh it's a monthly show and i think there's it's like it's the first or second saturday of the month i can't remember but and it sells out so um and it's definitely worth seeing. It's, it's a lot of fun. So I'll be back there in January. Just come see me there. And um, you can follow me uh, at the David Shore on Twitter and uh, David Shore on Facebook. But I'm, I think I'm hidden on Facebook because there's creepy people out there. Um, 
yeah so that's how you can find me fantastic well thanks so much for spending some time with me i really appreciate it and obviously i will get the dry cleaning cleaning bill for your shirt good. there I, I see that the whole plot of this was just to get my clothes dirty so i'd have to take off my clothes too chris so i know fine. it's a, it's cyclical like everything else don't um, don't laugh at my belly ring <laughs> Again, I would never have thought that about you. Well, you do things when you're drunk, Chris. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Um, and to everyone out there in listener land, uh, if you would like to comment on this episode, uh, all of the contact details for the show are coming up uh, in just a moment. We'd love to hear from you. Anything, insults, compliments, what would you have said? I'm, I'm well up for yeah. you uh, having a conversation about No anti-Semitism. Sure. Out there. Yeah, we no hate speech. No hate speech. This is a strictly no hate podcast. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, have an amazing week, and we will see you again here next week. Cheerio. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yesbot. You can talk to me on Twitter at Yesbot five thousand. Hey, why not join our listeners group at? facebook.com slash group slash yesbot club you can also email me on yesbot5000 at icloud.com your host was chris mead find him at mr chris mead on twitter the yesbot theme was composed and engineered by fred deakin yesbot logo and graphics by Kind Studio. Okay, I love you. Goodbye.